0: on this is lbc leading britain's conversation with steve allen tweet at lbc text 84850 steve allen on lbc
1: marvelous actually just listening to lindsay uh, reading the news there because ollie was doing the uh, the program about astrology uh, which was quite interesting. This is after the Tory MP bizarrely claimed astrology can solve the appalling NHS crisis. She confessed to me that she like, she quite likes the sound of astrology. She said, "Can I guess at what you are?" Well, well many have tried. And uh, anyway, so she 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 went through about three, wrong on every count. Every single one was wrong. So I wasn't sure whether or not if people follow astrology, they could sort of go, you know, are you a typical Leo? Are you a typical Pisces? Are you Because I suppose we're all typical of just ourselves. Because whenever you read the astrology in the newspapers, it could apply to just about anybody, couldn't it? As I shall prove this morning on LBC, that and a whole bunch of other stuff. I like the word trending. I'm not going to use it on the programme. I just like the word trending. I heard somebody use trend trending yesterday. I think Ollie uses trending a lot. I don't quite know what it means. I suppose it means sort of doing something that's terribly popular. And uh, then we'll talk about the Catholic Church. They say vote for a party that backs marriage. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the, the wedding fizz for 7-Up Katie. There's a very interesting comment in one of the columns for today. Eddie Redmayne needs to lose two stone. There's well, nothing of him. To play a transgender artist. Well, it certainly won't be Grayson Perry, will it? Because he's way hefty hideaway. The biggest solar eclipse on the way since 1990. It's going to be pitch black. Pitch black. And Kanye West will invade the Brits as a replacement for Rihanna. Oh, God. The most dreary man on the planet. Little Mr Boredom. Gosh, I shan't be watching the Brits. I always thought that the Brits was an excuse for people to offload a load of albums that didn't sell as many as they thought they were due to sell. That's what I thought the Brits were years ago. Somebody told me that, you know, if an artist gets nominated for the Brits, then sure, as God made Little Apples, the record company's got an absolute van full of all these albums. So they nominate somebody and then they go, oh, look, we can get rid of the album. Then they bring out the Brit album. And I used to buy them years ago, but I, I don't buy things like that now. I can't think of any reason why I'd want to buy a Brit album. Apart from the fact I don't know anything about music. I mean, I, I, I can do music from the 60s, and music from the 70s and the 80s, but I can't do anything with the 90s at all. Well, early 90s, probably. Early 90s. But I can't do anything with, uh, with some of the music that's played on radio stations nowadays. I've got no idea. It's, it's completely an anathema. I listen to it and they go, this is good. And I go, yeah, it's really good, but I couldn't tell you who it was. Whereas years ago, you could hear something and go, ah, that's 10 C or that's Dusty Springfield. Nowadays, I haven't got the faintest... So much of it sounds the same. Uh, at the end of the line for cold calling, a lot of pensioners, according to the producer, and he would know, uh, have said that they um, they don't want an end to cold calling. They quite like the conversation. So you sit there at home and your phone rings. Now, I don't answer the phone. I've never answered the phone. And cold calling will never leave a message. So if it goes to answer phone, they hang up. And what it is, it's a machine that's dialed you. They don't sit there dialing your number. Um... It's, it's a machine that dials you. They're all sitting in a room. The moment your line answers with a person, it lights up and they immediately pick up. The, that's why it seems ages sometimes till somebody picks up and goes, hello, is that, is that Mrs. So-and-so? They're not too sure sometimes who you are, but they do the cold calling. But pensioners uh, don't, don't want to, to lose it because sometimes they don't see people. For, that's why I said it's very apropos to the producer. Sometimes they don't see people for days and days. And it's a bit of conversation, they, 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 quite. He quite likes, you know, getting the junk mail as well. He goes through it, you yeah, know, it's very exciting. Shall we have double glazing fitted or, you know, things like that. So, I mean, every resident on the, the street needs to agree the no-go area before it can be given the go-ahead. And uh, people like people knocking on the door. I don't want somebody knocking on the door. If I had my way, I'd electrify the door. That would be the thing to do, you know. And the moment you actually sort of put your hand on it, it completes the circuit. And you fall to the ground, a little bit about being tasered. Because the, the, these, these people... We've seen them. They've been exposed on television more times than I care to remember. Remember the guy who did the call centre? And his uh, his company was fined £500,000. And because he's a tight-fisted little so-and-so, he puts his company into liquidation so he doesn't have to pay anything. Galvin McKenzie pulled him apart the other day in his column, which I was quite pleased about. Uh, Twiggy says she might have plastic surgery. I've sat next to her, believe you me, she doesn't need to have plastic surgery at all. Uh, Yesterday we had Celia Imre in. Everybody said the same thing. Isn't she nice? Isn't she really nice? She's got a book out and we're going to be running that interview this weekend with Stephen Tomkinson. We also uh, have got another load of people which we've recorded and uh, loads of celebrity. It's, I mean, it's really actually quite busy this week. This week's a very busy week, but I like a busy week. Also, today is a good day for us because we've been paid.
0: Wee oui, wee. Oui.
1: Yes, we got paid last night, which is very exciting because it seems to have dragged on forever this month. And, uh, and being Wednesday it won't mean anything to you, but we have our meeting. We have our, our figures meeting. Every radio station gets their figures, and I think we had them about three weeks ago or something like that. And uh, the bosses go through them and they go, whose programme's gone up, who's, who's levelled off, who's gone down, who's done this, who's... And they can tell everything. They can tell how many people are listening. They know exactly what ages are listening, wh- You know which particular target group you appeal to. Um, I don't think it's going to pre-empty anything on this programme because uh, the audience is up. That's, that's all we need to know about. That's all I care. Whenever the boss phones me at home, whenever he phones me at home to, to run through the figures, he sort of goes, oh, Steve, Fantastic. You know, everybody very happy about them. It's probably it's probably a, a joint action, isn't it? Really, between the presenter and the producer. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, yeah, have to go down that line, don't we? It always makes people feel better. They go, "Of course, we work as a team." Ah, another myth thrown out the window. <laughs> we work as a team. He she splits himself. He actually shares himself around with quite a few people. You know, he's not exclusively for me. He'll actually go to anybody that feeds him. So he's not particularly biased in any way, shape or form. So he gets he gets a bit of... I don't think Ollie feeds him unless it's going to be couscous. Fancy having a garage full of couscous. Couldn't quite... And he wonders why they've got mice. My brother put down an old three-piece suite in his in his garage and uh, books and things like that. Didn't think about it. Never thought about it at all. And mice got in and they ate the books. They ate the books they they've decimated the three piece suite that's gone completely they've literally it's a frame because they've just eaten it they will eat anything it doesn't matter whether it's uh, in a in a, a solid plastic box they will get into it mice are like that they will sit there gnawing at it they will get it they think there's something in there or they're just curious naturally curious they will get in there and they will they'll just pull it apart there's nothing safe and they jump can they jump whoop Oh, dear me, do they jump. Mice jump, little tiny things, and they squeeze under, like, third of an inch of a door. They can squeeze under that, because they're flighty little so-and-sos. <laughs> uh, cigarettes kill two in three smokers, and they die ten years early. Uh, lots of people have discussed... I think it's this week. Is it this week, or is it next week? No smoking week. I don't think it makes any difference. I don't know why we have it. They, they had... What did they have the other day? Somebody was telling me that it's National Toast Day yesterday. National, to- I mean, no, 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 in God's name comes up with National Toast Day. I mean, it's most ridiculous. I think they just make them up, don't they? It's Grandmother's Day, Grandfather's Day, Happy Divorce. You can buy Happy Divorce cards and think things like that now. And I, and I, I suppose I, I secretly like it, but National Toast Day. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's a bread company that's come up with that, isn't it? It wouldn't be anybody normal. It would have to be a bread company. There you go. Today, National Toast Day. So we all go and have to... It didn't make any difference at all. I mean, you might as well have National Sausage Day. The other week, we had National Chip Day. So we had chips delivered. We've had Fish and Chip Day. We've had just about everything. We get, uh, we get food delivered on, a, on an hourly basis here. We get all sorts of food delivered, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing nicer than sitting in a radio studio, and somebody comes in and says, "Oh, you've you've had some donuts delivered, or some chips, or whatever. Admittedly, the chips never turn out quite the way they're supposed to because by the time they get here, they're a bit naff." And uh, and I sort of thought, well, you know, it's okay, isn't it? I suppose we have to celebrate something in this country. Don't have too. Much. We certainly, don't be celebrating the weather, will we? So, the no calling, the no cold calling zones. But I bet you anything, there'll be a lot of people listening. Who were sort of saying, "No, actually, I quite like having people who um, who call me because it's it's a bit of it's a bit of company, it's a bit a bit of conversation." And at the end of the, day, but the trouble is that when they do cold calling, they're not actually, you know, there for your health. They're not there to sort of just have a little chat. They're there to extract money from you. That's what they want to do. They want to take money from you, and they will spin you any old guff. We've seen it. I remember my favourite one was a guy. They actually set up a house. Uh, with a little old lady, but she was an actress. And she had to sit there and just play a little bit dumb. And this man comes round and the the film crew filmed him. He was being filmed inside the house. He didn't know, of course, he had no idea. And uh, he was sort of saying, oh, you need this. I think it was fire extinguishers. Whatever it was, the, the price of the fire extinguisher had rocketed. You know, it worked out something like 1,500 quid. And he was getting, you know, he was saying, of course, if, you know, if you're caught in a fire here, this could be very dangerous, hardly anywhere to get out of. And, um, and so, so we're all watching this. And then the camera crew come through the, uh, the French windows with uh, with this guy from the I think it was the watchdog program and confront him. And of course, if you're just sitting there and all of a sudden somebody starts taking, you know, they, they turn up with a camera crew, the, your, your first instinct is, oh, dear God, what's this? And that's exactly what he did. He sort of he looked at them and they said, well, you know, we're here because we've been listening to the conversation. You tried to sell her a fire extinguisher, which is worth, you know, less than 50 pounds. And uh, you're trying to make out it's 1000 something. But, of course, he can't get his stuff together quick enough. He's going, like, well, I mean, I, I, I might have made a mistake on the price. And he's trying to gather all his stuff up to get out as quick as possible without realising, as Malcolm Rifkind didn't realise the other day. He walks outside of his house and there's the, the cameraman walking backwards to film him and Malcolm kind of loses his temper a little bit you know what are you doing you know mind yourself blah, blah, blah. don't fall in the road will you why don't you just leave me alone why don't you just sod off <laughs> that's what they do don't they but that's what they've got to do to get their their stories so uh be warned salesmen they're out to get you and if you do cold call somebody and they don't want you in there uh it's that the first one could be up to half a million pounds don't don't mess with them Because the police are looking, poor old police, honestly, they're woefully undermanned, and yet something else heaped on their shoulders. Heaped on their shoulders. Uh, We'll also have the the story about uh, Poldark, which is back. Now, I'm sort of old enough to remember Poldark, but I never watched it. It was never one of my sort of things. It's all about the sea, sex and smugglers. So it's all very exciting, and they're bringing it back. God knows why. They must have run out of ideas, I suppose. And uh, and the jihadi brides, now they're talking about, you know, oh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I said yesterday on the programme, and I'm standing by it, what on earth the police, the Met police, have had to do with this? I've got no idea. Why should they have to go out to Syria, the most dangerous place that you could possibly go to, full of raving lunatics who behead people? They've just paraded ISIS. 90 Christians, they're that sick... In these cages, through the streets on lorries, with the baying crowds. It's vaguely reminiscent of the Colosseum in Rome, where they sort of bay for their blood. You know, the the quicker they're executed, the happier they are. It's a shame, out Why don't we blow the whole blooming lot up? And so now we've got to chase after these silly little girls with not even a brain cell between them. And that, apparently, is what you join the police force nowadays. We'd like to go to Syria. I don't think so. Well, we'd like to send you over there to find these girls. Don't go. Don't go. There's a bloke who worked for the co-op. He's 22. He's a martial arts person. He's decided to go and join the Christian fighters in Syria against ISIS. Stupid boy. Really stupid.
0: On LBC.
1: Nick Ferrari and the team with you just after the news at 7. 75 British troops are heading out to train Ukrainian soldiers. But is that enough? Will Putin care? And the three East London schoolgirls who flew to Turkey are thought to have crossed the border into Syria. But the police are still out there. Isn't it time they came home? Isn't it a waste of scant resources? Former Conservative Minister Anne Whittacombe joins Nick to discuss Malcolm Rifkin. Do his recent actions overshadow his long political career? And David Wooding, political editor of The Sun on Sunday, does the pay-per-view. Love David Wooding. And that's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Did I just see Kevin wandering through? Where's, has he come back from somewhere or coming in from something? Little? Oh, he's just leaving. Good oh, Lord. Where's he been? It's not the... He's obviously been... Oh, I know where he's been. He's been to see... He's been to see Queen. That's right. Yes, he went to see Queen. I don't, was that at the O2? I don't know. I bet they were good, weren't they? I don't know who their lead singer is now. Have they got guy from America? Oh, is it? Oh, it's not the same. I'm sorry. It's not the same as Freddie Mercury. I don't care what anybody says. Super Camp. <laughs> (laughs) Lovely. The weathermen have stormed out in a row over pay. Why do we pay so much to weathermen? Why do we pay so much to weathermen? You know, I mean, because I I can sit here and make it up in the morning for you and say, well, today could be a mixture of sunshine and showers. And to be honest with you, I'm probably going to be pretty accurate on that one. Sunshine and showers. Paul says, think about wiring up the door. Some bloke was fed up about his car getting nicked, so he wired up the car and a security guard got a shock. Well, he shouldn't have touched his car in the first place. He'd never get away with that in court. In court, the security guard will go go to prison, touch my property, go to prison. Simple as that. Actually, we've, we've just sent somebody to prison a moment ago. Uh, no, well, not a moment ago, but it's in the, in the papers today, for being uh, not a very clever person. I think it's a woman. I think she had a piece of equipment that blocks police cameras. Anyway, uh, she won't be blocking anything uh, for quite a while. They've sent her to prison for two years. Two years! Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We'll wander through the uh, the papers this morning. We'll see what lovely stories they've come up with. And um, how do they get the listening figures, says Darren? Oh, I don't know. They go out. I think they, it's a, it used to be a diary. And uh, now it's, it's, it's the nearest thing to actually going round and surveying every single person. Um, and it's, it's the way they find out the, the television figures and all the rest of it. And they find out the radio figures so they know how many people are listening. Uh, give or take, you know, a handful, and they know for how long people listen, and then they do graphs, and the the graph can show you exactly. And at this time of the morning, I can tell you that we're streaks ahead of everything else. Absolutely, there's nothing that comes close to us at this time of the morning. I think, really, because there's not many other speech-based programs that are on the radio. It's music and uh, which is fine great if you like like music but if you're sitting there in the car just listening to music unless it's a song you can actually sing along to and i do like singing along to songs in the car then you, you might be in danger of going oh, i'm just falling asleep so f- favorite what speech favorite to sing along to let it go let it go i could you know, i could listen to that forever and a day i seriously it's funny the song has got everything I watched it at the Oscars, I watched Adina Menzel sing it. I'm so pleased that I did one of the first interviews with Adina Menzel when she appeared in Wicked. And I was I was so pleased because she's gone on and she's now achieved that worldwide recognition. Now everybody knows who Adina Menzel is and they know what a great voice she's got. But the song is fantastic, it changes. You listen to the song, it's got so many different key changes, and there's so many bits where you think, God, that's fantastic you know, the strings come in, the past is in the past, let it go, and it's you you just can't help it. I've been onto YouTube and I've had a look at the sing-along things, and people love it. All the kids want to sing along to it, but secretly, kids, it's the adults who like singing along to to anything. They do sing along a sound of music, they do sing along a Mary Poppins, they do sing-along. Frozen. They do sing-along just about everything now. Because, you know what? We want to sing. We si- I think it harks back to when we were children. And you think, I was in the choir. I don't think I was particularly brilliant. But I just loved singing. Actually, a truth, I was brilliant, actually. I mean, I was very lucky. I was, I was a very gifted child. So gifted that I was hated by all the other children. Oh, here comes Stephen again. Oh, the singer's back with us, you know. So not only was I a brilliant singer, I was particularly cute and um and i could read which was something not many of my class could do when i say read i could read out loud they always if ever they, if ever we had a reading out loud session in the class i got picked because i loved yeah i was, I was well i was probably it started probably when i was about 7 and uh, and continued on to my years now where i still read out loud <laughs> i am a very good i was explaining <laughs> To Celia Imry the other day, because she she said, you love your job, don't you? She said, I know. She said, I know you love your job. She said, but boy, do you talk fast? I said, well, I have to. I said, I'm worried I might die before I reach the end of the sentence. So if I speak quickly, I might actually get all the words in. I said, but I'm a very, very good sight reader. You can give me a book and I could read it top to bottom and I would not make a mistake. Which, which is quite unusual in radio terms now, because if, if you watch some people, you know, they have to read something, they read it to themselves, and then they do it, and then they make a mistake. I don't make a mistake. I don't make mistakes. Only very, very occasionally, and even then, I gloss over them so well, you would never know. And I learnt to do it by sight reading. I would pick up a book if I was in the bath, or elsewhere in the bathroom, and I would read aloud... Must have looked really odd to the neighbours. Not that the neighbours were in the bathroom with me, but if they had have been, they'd have enjoyed it. And you, you sit there and you read out loud until you make a mistake. And then you go back to the top of the page and you read again until you can read the whole page without making a mistake. So I can sight read... Two lines ahead of what I'm reading. So I'm reading one thing but it, because I've remembered it. And then I can, I can jump down two lines to see if there's any peculiar words in there that I might have difficulty with. And that I might have to gloss over. And I can change the wording on a sentence. I don't know how people do it, to be honest with you, but I do it. And that's why it works quite well. So if somebody says to me, oh, you've got to fill... I remember a boss saying to me years ago, and we used to do a, a phone-in. And it was uh, it was a it was a four hour phone. It was a hell of a long time. And I said to the boss, I said, what do you what do you what do I do if I don't get any phone calls? And he said, you talk. He said, you talk. And so that's what I do. I've learned to talk and I can I can talk for hours if I'm being paid for it. I can talk for as many as long as you want. I've done six hours of talking before now. Admittedly, you get to the end of it and you feel it slightly stressed because you've talked about everything. There's nothing that comes off limits when you're just talking on a, on a programme. And, and the easiest thing to do, and I've been doing it for such a long time now, I don't even think about it, is when I do it with, with a set of newspapers. Because once you've got the set of newspapers, that's your fallback. The fallback on a programme like, like this is, that you can chat about things that you've done. So when we did Celia Imri yesterday, I mean, she was just, just charming. I mean, just, she's got a wicked glint in her eyes. She's terribly flirtatious. She's she's really super. I mean, everybody from reception to uh, to all the other people you bump into are going. Oh, Celia Rimmery, she's lovely, and uh, she doesn't disappoint. Everything she does, she she doesn't disappoint. She's very good. You're not giving her more Haribo. What is going? This is really embarrassing. You're going to get so fat. Have you seen the sugar content of those things? Really, it's like grooming of the newsreader this morning. It's terrible. Poor soul. Honestly. How how'd you win over the newsreader would you like some haribo I'm going to bring in the sour ones next week I think just just to make it interesting for me. Uh dappy is uh, is up. Oh that's why. Kevin went to the opening night of Carol King's musical Beautiful. Which I pa- strange enough I passed on uh, Sunday my friend Jackie was doing some uh, some PR on that. <laughs> it says telling you all sorts of stupid things you don't really need to know. And um, and Kevin said that the good thing was uh, that uh, she appeared on stage. Carol King appeared on stage. So I was explaining to a friend of mine who was slightly younger than me who Carol King was. And luckily, outside the theatre, it's got the list of all the songs that she's responsible for. And then they had um, a lovely party at Somerset House. Ooh. Brits. To- Is it Brits Tonight, Will? So Brits Tonight being Wednesday. Right. So, right. So that's where Kevin's going tonight. He says, see you tomorrow post Brits. Oh, dear. It's got Kanye West going. I'm not really sure, Kevin, where I'm interested in Kanye West. Every time I read about Kanye West, I go, I go off him more and more. More and more. Uh, Darren says, how about a national Steve Allen day? Oh, I love it. I think that's quite a nice idea, actually. It was so funny because the uh, the book's selling really well, thank you for asking, and uh, very pleased about it. In fact, the more people write about it, the happier they seem to be because it shifts another load. So very happy about it, except for one woman who, who wrote a, a really stinging review. She didn't buy it, of course. She just made it up because she's a bit screw loose upstairs from Birmingham. And the reason she wrote A Dreadful Thing is because I banned her because uh, she's she's not all there in the upstairs department. She's a bit stupid. And so I banned her. So she wrote a a really bad review of the book, even though she's not bought it. Because otherwise, you know, you'd have to be even thicker, wouldn't you, to buy something that you don't like the person anyway. But uh, she's in Birmingham, so we don't worry about her. As I say, you go up the country, dumber, 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 get to Birmingham, thick as bricks, thick as bricks. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here, which a lot of people talking about this mice thing. I used to have a producer who was petrified of mice. You only had to say the word mouse. And she would, she would, crawl, she absolutely hated it. She said, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. And I said, but mice are quite, because my cousins used to keep mice. And if you, it was it said, do they reproduce at such a rate that if you, if you started off with a pair of mice, by the end of the year, you could have 600 offspring. Something like that. Quite easy. oh yes, it's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. When we were in Fleet Street years and years ago, And next door to us was the express building. And at the back of the express building, there was what they had termed the, um, like a scene dock place. So the lorries could go into it and deliver the rolls of newspaper and stuff like that. Well, after the express moved out, they closed it down at the back. So nobody had been in there for years until they came to redevelop it. And I can remember distinctly on that particular day, they opened up the back thing and thousands of mice... Thousands of mice poured out of it quite clearly, they was like, "God in heaven they found us. Have you seen that thing on YouTube if you don't like mice don't don 't watch it where they go into this into Australia. they lift up a piece of corrugated iron, which is on the floor, and again, millions of rats and mice come out from underneath. <laughs> this was like it in Fleet Street. There were thousands and thousands, and one of the pubs there they put down boxes uh, full of rat and mice. Mouse, mice, mice poison, mouse poison, and I can remember the, <laughs> I was I was in this pub having a drink with some some colleagues from work, and this mouse staggered out from behind the fruit machine. He'd obviously eaten the poison, and he slowly meandered down the bar on the floor, and people were sort of stepping to one side as he's obviously going. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And he wandered out and he got further down the bar and he was getting a bit slower and a bit slower. And somebody opened the door for him at the very end and he walked out and he fell into the gutter on Fleet Street, picked himself up and got run over by a truck. It was was a bit tragic and sad at the time, but there were so many of them in our building. Because the sewer went underneath, it came up in our master control room, there was a a grill there and we used to get rats and mice coming up. It used to put the fear of God into everybody. Have I missed something here? Am I gone really late for the news? I have. I'm so sorry. Steve
0: Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. When I was going to primary school in Australia in the 1950s, says Ken, reading out loud in class was part of our term examinations. I loved it. The trouble is everybody either used to nominate me or uh, or the teacher would pick on me because otherwise it was like pulling teeth for some of these poor kids. they go, uh, you know, so-and-so, Rogers. Oh, maybe not. You know, come down to it. Stephen, you'll be reading this one, aren't you? Tony says, you're perfect. You know everything, don't you? I do, actually, Tony. It's sickening, isn't it? It's absolutely sickening. I do know just about everything. There's very little I can't converse on. I can't do Einstein's theory of relativity, but I can do most things. I can talk about most things and make it interesting for at least minimum of half an hour. At least minimum of half an hour. Except Walthamstow, Tony. I can't do anything on Walthamstow, I'm afraid. Because, as you know, it is the hellhole that everybody knows it to be. Uh, the weathermen in this row over pay. Everybody goes out and strike. I thought we'd seen the end of strikes and ridiculous things like that. People sort of saying, oh, you know, it's, we're going to be telling you about the weather. And I think to myself, why would you want to know about the weather? I mean, does it really make any difference? You know, when the producer wakes up in the morning, Shinky looks out the window and goes, oh, it's going to be a wet day today. It doesn't make it... You don't wake up in the morning, <laughs> too. That's right, yes. 4pm, so he wakes up middle of the afternoon. And that's the, which I used to do, but, the, but I had a trick because I used to, the sunlight used to annoy me during the summer. So I made up a screen of some bin liners, about two or three taped together, and just Velcroed them up to the window because it was the best way to keep the light out. Because if the light was out, you could sleep. You know, he has a partner. And uh, so presumably she keeps the bed warm till he gets in and then he gets in and she gets out. It's a perfect arrangement for a marriage. Perfect arrangement. It couldn't be better, could it, really? And so and we look out the window and you go, oh, look, it's lovely. It's a bit wet today. And all I think is, I hope to God it doesn't rain today. And the reason I hope it doesn't rain is because I forgot to bring the umbrella. Today was the day I didn't bring the umbrella. So I I was getting a little bit panicky about it earlier on, thinking if it does actually rain, if it does rain today, and I'm just checking Lindsay's uh, weather. Oh, there you go. That's all right. Oh, Oh, wait a minute. Dry and bright, though rain early and late. So that's okay, And then she says it should be a mainly dry day with light winds or bright or sunny spells. And then cloudy and breezier from late afternoon. Then outbreaks of light rain spreading from the west by the evening. And the high today, 11 degrees.
0: Ooh, look
1: at that. All formal. Look at that. Ooh, shaky hand. Shaky hand, man. (laughs) And uh, so uh, so if if it's going to be a little bit wet... It's like, it's like the Spanish Inquisition, this, isn't it, really? Do you notice shaky hands? Shake, people do shaky hands now. Nobody does what, what they do in America. Whenever you meet people... I mean, I generally fling my arms around their neck and sort of cling on for grim death. People in this country shake hands. In America, they hand business cards out. You can come back from a trip to America, if you're in the media, with about 100 business cards, and you don't, you've got no idea what to do with them. And don't ever say to an American, listen, if you're in England, pop in. They do. They do pop in. I promise you, if you meet people in the media in America and you sort of chat it, they go, oh, say, what do you do? And you go, well, actually, you know, I'm, I'm in the media. And they go, oh, where, where do you live? You go, well, actually, I live in London. The chances are, when they're in London, they'll be ringing on your doorbell. I've had it happen twice now. I've had to disconnect the doorbell. It's just, it just gets absolutely ridiculous that people people do follow it up. I suppose because in America, they do that. If they're looking for somewhere cheap to, to stay, then they go and knock on somebody's door and they go, oh, hi, I met you once years and years ago and you said it was OK. And so you, you just turn up there. We tend not to do that in this country. We're a little bit more reserved about who we actually... T- it's like if you're sitting on the tube or on the bus, you never talk to anybody. The reason you don't talk to anybody is because they're all mad. Everybody is mad. You sit next to people on the tube. And if you look at somebody too much, they tend to sort of stare at you a little bit. And I always I mentally undress them. I'm quite good at doing things like that. So if I'm if I'm sitting on the tube, I sit there thinking, I wonder what you look like in your vest and pants. You know, and, and, then you, and then you sort of look the other way, because sometimes it's, it's quite easy to catch somebody's eye. And on the bus, I never catch anybody's eye. I spend most of the time doing what everybody else does, which is sitting there on your telephone doing nothing, pretending that you've got friends. And you sit down there and you sort of type up something. So yesterday I was so bored on the bus because the journey was taking for ages that I ended up doing six tweets. And I was just doing silly tweets. They weren't even meaningful tweets. It was like, you know, Celia Rimwe was a great guest and Jimmy Somerville was a great guest and all those. It's just silly things like that. And I was amazed at how quickly people were responding to what I was tweeting. So I then got carried away and started talking about other things and then people responded to that. And I suddenly realised that, that when, when people talk about how addictive tweets are, I'd got into that mindset of doing something that meant that I was becoming... as And I don't even know anything about technology. I'm the least technological person, even though I've done technology programmes. I know nothing about telephones. I couldn't find the other day, after we had the altercation on the bus with the bus driver, I couldn't find the camera on the phone. And then somebody, because I'd, I'd lost it somewhere, some, a friend of mine had put it into a file and I couldn't find the file. And then, if, and then somebody else said, no, just swipe upwards and the camera's bottom right. So I did that and lo and behold, camera was down there. So of course, and it's got everything, because every, the moment people see mine, they go, that's big they always say exactly the same to me because it's, I've got the biggest phone you can have and I've got the biggest writing on there. And the reason for that is, is because my eyesight is so bad. If I have big writing, it's like, it's like you give it to an elderly person. And elderly people like... So when people who are elderly see my phone, they go, oh, that's nice, nice big writing. I said, well, you can actually change the style of writing and the size of the font as well. There's my new word of the day, the font. Uh, the story on the front of The Sun today is an interesting one. It's about a girl who's been in court, she's a teenager, and uh, she had sex with a teacher in a broom cupboard, because it's really romantic, isn't it? You know, if you're a teacher, you're having sex. A lot of people, Gemma Collins had sex in a broom cupboard with Arge, I seem to remember, from Essex. And, I, and she went round telling everybody. And I remember thinking, it must have been a pretty big broom cupboard to actually get Gemma Collins in there with one other person. Anyway, this particular story, it's very interesting, because the, the, uh, the teacher... Um, has uh, has not been uh, fined or or done anything. He's actually been spared jail because the judge said that uh, she seduced uh, sorry he, she seduced him in the cupboard, and uh, and so she's now done her story to the paper saying this is absolutely ridiculous. He was the teacher. He led me on. I didn't pounce on him. But I know because I've seen stories before in the newspapers and I've seen them on the television as well, not in this particular case, but uh, where school children get crushes on teachers. We've all done it over the years. You know, because you see them every day. And uh, it's quite easy for, for some of these good-looking teachers. We had really unattractive teachers when I was younger. You know, there was nobody attractive in, in my school. At I was the best-looking thing, which gives you a benchmark of just how bad it was. And so, in, in the case of art, nobody fancied the teachers at all. I don't think the teachers fancied us. But it is easy nowadays for people to make claims against teachers and say he did this. Because if, if something then happens, the chances are that teacher, if they're found guilty, is going to lose their job. They're going to be they're going to be out of work. And such is the case of, uh, of a girl here. She kissed a sixth former at one of Britain's top boarding schools, then visited him at university for sex. So, in other words, she was obviously a teacher at the school he went to. Uh, they had a little bit of a little bit of a, a ding-dong, but nothing happened. So she visits him at university. Now she's been banned for life. She went to his college, college campus. Um she was twenty-four. She smooched with him during a ball at the uh, at the school. And uh, all sorts of people have been to this school, dismissed after a disciplinary hearing. Uh, now at the age of 25, she's been barred from the classroom and must wait three years before she can apply to have the ban lifted. So is there a problem with this nowadays? I mean, if she's... She waited till he left the school. He goes to university. She still fans him. She follows him to university. And they obviously have some, some sort of relationship. So uh, she is in uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Rabia now, she expressed regret and admitted keeping the affair a secret. Because I don't actually have too many sort of problems with things like that, if, especially if somebody's left the school. Does that make a difference? I mean, why are there certain jobs where you're not allowed to have any contact with people? I'm assuming if he'd gone to university, he's got to be about 18 years old, and she was about 24, so does it make any difference? Apparently so. You cannot have affairs with your teacher, and yet there might be many people listening who, over the years, have probably had, you know, a little bit of a fantasy about the teacher because it's because they're head of the class. It's like being a DJ, isn't it, nowadays? People, people get fantasies, you know, if you, if you go to a club or a disco, uh, or something like that, and you see the DJ, you think, I think I'll get to know the DJ. Because if you get to know the DJ, then you can be the DJ's friend, and then all your friends are jealous. So when I used to work clubs years ago, it was a long time ago, long, long time ago, uh, many, many, many years ago, and, uh, and, and girls would actually queue up to buy you drinks, because you were the DJ. I mean, <laughs> hilarious. How many Pepsis can one drink? But anyway, they used to, so they, they, would, they would line up, and there was this one girl in particular, and I have to be careful because she might be listening. And uh, she she went one better than all the other girls in the club who would just go, oh, do you like a pint? Do I sound like a person who drinks a pint? I don't think so. And so she would turn up with little bottles of Southern Comfort. And then she turned up. I used to have a producer who used to do this as well. It was like a little mini bar, like a little, like a little bottle about, what's that, about six? About six, little six-inch bottles there. And she would turn up. With these, And then she found them in tins and she would bring them in. And, of course, that elevated her from all the other girls. And then she, and she then she started bringing in records for me to play. I and mean, because she had her own shop going on. She did these bottles. And I worked with a producer at LBC some years ago. Admittedly, the poor soul was an alcoholic and he's now dead. But, I mean, at the time, I couldn't work with an alcoholic. So he used to bring me in drink. And he used to bring in the little miniature Southern Comforts. But then it got good. He started bringing in the full-size bottles. And then life became quite interesting. And the, I, know, I don't get that from you, do I? No, we don't get anything like that at all from the producer this morning. I give him Haribo. What do I get? Grief. Quarter to five.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, a pretty nice happy company. It's 11 minutes to five. It's. I forgot to give you the date. Not that I think it makes a difference, but if you've been out clubbing tonight, you might not realise or know that it's Wednesday, the 25th of February. The good news is if you get paid monthly, you've been paid. That's exciting, isn't it? You can eat. You can actually go out there and eat. We've been paid. It's fantastic. You don't need to shop in the aisle where there's all the discounted tins. You know, buy this one. Sometimes they take the labels off, I've discovered. A friend of mine used to do that. He said just to make dinner time more interesting, he would go out and he'd buy loads of tins of of everything, from beans to spaghetti hoops or whatever. Then he'd take all the labels off and put them in the cupboard. And then he'd juggle them around a bit so he didn't know what tin was what. So when he came to have something to eat, it was always a bit of a surprise. You know, were you going to be having potatoes with custard? You know, or something, or spaghetti hoops with prunes, or something like that, which some people enjoy. Uh, the Daily Mirror this morning—they're talking about the uh, the Christmas finals could help England win the World Cup. They've got Robbie Savage. I thought Robbie Savage—does he doesn't do football now, does he? Will does Robbie—does he still do football? Does he do commentary? He doesn't play, does he? He just does commentary and turns up on reality shows. Is he another one of those ones that they're sort of—I'm always dubious about footballers who then go into reality shows. Like Mike Tyndall at the moment, I'm slightly disturbed that some. Mind you, if married to Zara Phillips, you'd want to stay away as often as possible, wouldn't you? Let's face it leave the horses at home, and he goes, off. Oh, he's done two reality shows so far, and I think he's got another one coming up very shortly. There is the story, remember I told you earlier at the beginning of the programme about the woman who's just gone to prison for two years, she had a laser device to jam police speed cameras. I didn't even know such a thing existed. I really didn't. Nigel Stevenson, who's 65, good God, was clocked twice in five days by separate mobile cameras, and uh, Emma Shepherd. Uh, oh, I mean, there's my phone. Let's look at this. I'm, that's, my phone keeps doing this every so often. I keep turning it off, and then all of a sudden, I, I've, obviously, I can't turn vibrate off. I know it's so unprofessional. I'm so much trouble. I know. I'm so sorry about it. It's really unprofessional. I mean, normally I'm quite good about you know discipline in the studio and stuff like that. And so every time the phone goes off, I've turned off the vibrating thing. But to be honest with you, I was quite enjoying it. Quite a joke. But I've, I've fixed mine up with, with a flashing light. So if a call comes in, the light flashes. But at the moment, thank you, Warren, for that one. Uh, but anyway, Emma Shepherd admitted making, making a stinger. You know what a stinger is? <laughs> there you go. Look, it flashes. You see that? It's so exciting, isn't it? And it vibrates again. I'm so sorry. I might have to turn it off. might I this morning? <laughs> is there such a thing, Warren says, as computer addiction? Depends what you're watching, I suppose, really. Uh, anyway, uh, Emma made a st- it's non-stop this morning. This is like Samaritan callback, isn't it? It's ridiculous. It just goes on forever and a day. <laughs> the trouble is now I've told them on. All my friends now start texting. <laughs> I've even got people I know who text me on this programme, which is odd, isn't it, really? Anyway, she made a stinger, uh, and she was piercing the tyres of police cars in Bristol. She made it with wooden nails. You know, you just get a piece of wood and you stick nails up through it, because the police stingers are plastic, I think, and they throw them across the road, and that's to stop... Uh, little toe rags of Nick nicked your car or petrol or something like that getting away with it but sometimes they're really good and they can lead police on a merry dance without even worrying about things like that at all uh, Boris sorry Bones Under The Hammer yesterday we had an auction it's non-stop isn't it this? I tell you what and I I've, I've put a sound effect on here you go throw it out the window do you remember that years ago when everybody talked about mobile phones and there was a bloke on and it was it was the, the domain of yuppies. Yuppies had mobile phones because because poor people like us couldn't afford them. So it's only rich people who could have. Phones. Although I did have one of the first mobile telephones. And it was like a field telephone. It looked like a brick. And it actually had a telephone handset on it. And you took it off and you and it rang. And it was it was really quite good anyway. And then these things came along, which are which are really wonderful. But there was a guy on the train and he was going, Okay, you uh, you know, doing this in the city and all the rest of it. And some bloke said to me, he said, Oh, I say, is that one of the new phones, mate? And he said, Yeah. He said, It's one of the new phones. He said, That's really, really cute. He said, Can I have a look at it? So he said, Yeah, of course you can. So he gave it to him, so he throws it out the window. <laughs> I think because everybody on the train was sick to death, because people make very loud phone calls. Romanians make very loud phone calls, but I suppose it's a long way to Romania, so you have to shout a bit. I hate people who shout on the train. They're sitting there with their phone and they're going, yes, yeah, and they're they're pointless conversations. You know, unless it's a really, really important conversation, you don't actually need to use your phone on the train or on the bus or anywhere else like that at all, do you? Unless it's re- unless you're waiting for a call to say that your auntie Winifred's died and she's left you a diamond mine in South Africa, you don't need to find anything out. There is nothing important that I need my telephone on. But I now feel as so I've had an amputation and I'm kind of missing the telephone. I've turned it off, if only to please the producer, because if he loses his temper, <laughs> he's really awful. That's what uh, Celia Imry said yesterday. She wants to play a murderess in uh, in a new film, and uh, and she said she said because I've got a temper, and I said. Because if I knew anything about music, I'd throw in the word tiny, but I didn't bother. Because I saw somebody interviewing Tiny Temper. That was a meeting of the minds. Good God in heaven. Tiny Temper. It was, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure whether he could actually feature on In Conversation. I decided maybe not. I don't think he could. You're up on YouTube on that one, aren't you? Yes, I thought so. I've checked out. I, I like checking out other people's interviewing techniques. I like watching and seeing what other people do. And then I think, should I adapt that or should I not adapt it at all and leave it? And I decided to leave it. Anyway, yesterday on the programme, we had some of Churchill's blood in a file which came up for sale. Now you can buy William Shatner's kidney stone. Why you'd want a kidney stone? I've got no idea. Sixteen grand. A used tissue from Scarlett Johansson for three thousand. Why would you have a used tissue? Ladies do that, don't they? (laughs) Cloning. (laughs) Niall Horan's toast. He's in one direction. Six thousand pounds for a piece of toast that he's touched. John Lennon's molar—I think that's a tooth. Why would you want? What on earth would you do with it? That's going for nineteen thousand. You see, I mean, the interesting one is Marilyn Monroe's X-rays—thirty thousand pounds. I mean, that would be. But in, even so, I don't know what you'd really do with it. Lady Gaga's nail—seven thousand eight hundred. But I mean, almost. For, they're false, aren't they? I think so. Why would that be important? Uh, Brangelina's breath. Apparently she, uh, she coughed into this jar and then somebody's willing to pay for... Why oh, do you want to buy things like People buy the oddest things. I mean, I can understand somebody wanting to buy Britney Spears chewing gum. That went for £8,400. £8,400 for something that she'd wandered around the inside of her mouth for God knows how long. Because the Americans are obsessed with chewing gum. It's the only place I've ever been to where everybody does chewing gum. Over here it's a little bit... Uh, I'll have a piece next week. I don't want to have a piece this week. You know, you only have it if you're about to kiss somebody. You just want to make sure that everything's perfect in that department, don't you? You The rest of your body, filthy dirty, but at least, you know, you can snog me, which is quite nice. And the good news is you can't catch a cold now through snogging. Holding somebody's hand, if they've got a cold, you can catch it. And apparently, to stop yourself getting germs in the bathroom, when you flush the toilet, put the lid down. Nobody puts the lid down. Do you put the lid down? Do you? Oh, after Nick Abbott talked about it. I've got a toilet light. I've got a toilet light which I love. I love my toilet light, which is. Do re- you not know, have a toilet light? Oh God, it's the latest. It's the latest. No, it's not a not a light. It, it's a light on the toilet lid, and what it is, it's a little Japanese invention. It's fantastic. I seriously promise you, it's about twenty quid, and I've had a few over the years because I quite like it. And it's it's designed for little boys and little girls going to the bathroom. And when you go in the bathroom, it's 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 a little round thing. It's about back to that six inches again, it's about six inches sort of round, and it's got two little LEDs on it, a green one and a red one. When the seat's up, if you walk into the bathroom, it illuminates the bowl in green, if the seat's up. If the seat is down, it illuminates in red, so you you train your children to know whether the seat's up or down, because little boys tend not to lift the seat up, they tend to leave it down all the time, and the little girls have to sit in the wee, and it's not quite as exciting. So they've got this toilet light, and it's presumably just to train kids. I thought it was quite a good idea, so I bought loads. I gave them away for Christmas one year to people. God knows what they thought I was. What have you bought me? It's a toilet light. I like things. I like something unusual. Simon Cowell has black toilet paper. He has black toilet paper specially made for him. And I remember thinking, how much does that black toilet paper, does that fit in with the bathroom? Because I know people, everything is teamed. I used to use that Marks and Spencer's Fleur de Lis, because I thought it looked quite posh, you know, to have you know sort of nice toilet paper I think it looks good but, and then you suddenly realise after a while who cares who cares you're not going to be seeing it by anybody are you really you're not going to sort of say I, I mean I tell people I've got fleur-de-lis toilet paper and then it went on to a cheaper thing and I decided that you know I wasn't going to put it into anyway. it so I mean I just use Quilted now I don't know why I don't even know why I'm telling you I'm using Quilted it makes no difference to you does it 84850 uk. Uh, Dan has uh, jammed up my computer it's always the way, isn't it? Oh, there it is. He says, uh, payday, yay. It is payday. Well, it is for us. Some people get paid a lot earlier, a lot earlier, but we actually got paid midnight last night, so it's, it's in your bank account, which I always think is quite useful, especially on a Wednesday, which we do like. Uh, somebody else says, you are lucky that you know everything. I don't know everything. I know 90% of things, which is good. Nothing new with the teacher pupil fling, says Christina Newcastle. Went to Europe in a minibus for a month. Two teachers, eight pupils, mixed girls, and boys. thank God the parents never found out it 's more common i think than I thought it was teacher relationships and uh, and so it does it does go on quite a lot and um, another one here we were using were you using seventy eights when you were a dj so funny or not wax cylinders either no we did actually have seven inch records seven inch records and uh, and the proverbial twelve inch which came out at the time, and that was the extended remix. But we were playing stuff like "Donna Summer. Nowadays, as I say, you've got no idea any of the tunes they're playing. They're just It's all... And also, we used to have to do our own light show. So we had, like, piano keys... And you sort of go flick flick and they would sort of chase and this apparently was supposed to be innovative. Looking at it now, it seems terribly, terribly archaic, and not the kind of thing you would want to do to, but most of the people in clubs haven't got the faintest idea where they are now, have they? They just sort of wand they follow the crowd, they wander in there, pretty lights, flashing lights, music, thud, 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 dance, dance, dance. Not on this probe, I can tell you. There's no th- Well, well, not any thudding at the moment. There might be in a minute. Still to come, the Tories have called for Boris to rescue their campaign. It's the end of the line for cold calling. Up to half a million pounds, you could be fined. FIFA says the World Cup was take place at Christmas. The jihadi brides have now reached Syria, we're told. For eight centuries, we thought the black rats spread the plague. Turns out to be gerbils. How many gerbils were there in London, for God's sake? Can you believe it? Ger- giant gerbils. What on earth were they doing those with? Uh, the great lovey lovin why the Oscars ignore the films most of us want to watch... Uh, the driver cage for jamming the cop cameras, the wedding fizz for 7 Up Katie, and the rhinoceros. She's going to a safari park, and the rhinoceros tries to mate with her car. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. Come
0: on. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC
1: Morning everybody, it's Wednesday the 25th of February Steve Allen's early breakfast, you're very welcome it's nice to company, I don't mind where you are as long as you feature in my figures, I'm more than happy the weathermen who stormed out in a row over pay I wouldn't have the faintest idea what a weather person gets paid so we'll find out, they never say weather women, do they? they just call them weathermen, whether they're male or female Uh, Twiggy says she might have plastic surgery. End of the line for cold calling. Not everybody's happy about it. Some pensioners say, listen, it's a lifeline for us. We don't see people for days on end, and then you get somebody cold calling. That's conversation. The Tories have called for Boris to rescue their campaign. Madonna uses a vaporiser ahead of the Brits gig tonight. Kanye's going as well. It could be fireworks. In fact, I predict it will be. And the jihadi brides. Yes, they finally reached Syria. So, in other words, somebody was obviously there waiting for them. And, um, and then you just heard a clip on the news from uh, one of the, uh, the sisters, you know, come back, you're beautiful, you're this and that. Quite clearly, they want to be with murdering psychopaths. So I don't think anything the family's going to say is going to change anything at all. Otherwise, you know, if they had any respect for the family, they wouldn't have gone there in the first place. Why on earth would you want to go out and hang around with a bunch of ruthless psychopathic killers? I can't think of any reason whatsoever. Perhaps they'll be sending back a Christmas card of them, you know, with sort of machine guns or a knife in their hand. I can't think of, you know, anybody who has been more affected. I mean, perhaps, I'm assuming the people who get affected by the internet, they must be of limited intelligence, mustn't they? They must have their eyes and their ears very receptive to somebody who can say, "Oh, I mean, why on earth, you know, in, in, your, in your wildest dreams, could anybody ever convince you to go and be with a bunch of murdering thugs? Why on earth would anybody want to do that? It's like saying, given the choice, what would you rather be? Working in a cake shop or a funeral director, dealing with bodies that come back from the motorways and things like that, where people have had crashes. Cake shop wins hands down every time. These girls have gone over there with money, managed to get a passport to get themselves into Syria. How that's happened, I've got no idea. Somebody's either funding it, uh, or they perhaps they're going to set fire to them. You've got no idea what goes on. I don't think they've got any idea. I don't think they're intelligent enough to realise... What goes on over there? Why on earth they haven't got any respect for their families? Perhaps they've been brought up badly. Why would you all of a sudden go there? They've got brothers and sisters, these people. And happy. they'd rather go there and be with murderers than be with their family. What does that tell you about life with their family? Obviously not as much excitement, I suppose, for them. It's very sad. I suppose the next time they'll be seeing them, they'll be sort of... Either, either ISIS are going to hold them to ransom... In the same way that this bloke from the co-op has gone over there to, to fight ISIS. And the Scotland Yard, the Metropolitan Officers, who've gone over there to try and find these girls and bring them back. They don't want to come back. What are they can do? Drag them back by their hair? They don't want to come back. That's why they've gone there. What are they going do? Sit down and go, listen, your mummy and daddy miss you a lot. They've said you're beautiful. <coughs> they don't care. Of course they don't care. Ridiculous. 20 years for a migrant thug. Just been convicted again. They suddenly realise they let him out on bail. He's disappeared. So there's no chance there. No chance. And Eddie Redmayne, not exactly the biggest person in the world. He's uh, going to lose two stone. He's going to play a transgender artist. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever he's going to be utterly brilliant. Utterly br- I can't think of anything that this boy cannot do. He seems to be absolutely, absolutely perfect in every single way. I hope it lasts. You know, I hope he gets loads. It's like looking at uh, Celia Imry's career. Uh, you know, this is this is something that you know, she's worked at very hard. If you go onto the internet, you can find her. Somebody pointed it out to me the other day that if you watch um, YouTube and you type in, I think it's Michael Caine's Masterclass, Celia Imrie is one of the actors on there. And uh, there's a six-parter. I mean, she's just been in everything. Absolutely everything. And everything she does, she does with such enthusiasm. She's, I mean, really, I sat there and it sounds terribly sycophantic, but she's absolutely lovely. I mean, she really is. Then we walked her back round. She was doing another interview in the building with somebody else. But she's just lovely. And everybody looks at her and went, oh, and they smile. She makes people smile. She's that sort of person. Uh, Josie says there's a huge difference between being a teacher and being a DJ. Teaching is a profession. What do you think DJing is? What do you think, part-time or something? I'm not a DJ at all. A DJ plays records, that's why they're called disc jockeys. The clue is in the word disc, but there you go, it doesn't matter. Teachers need to be professional, they need to focus on their jobs or leave the profession. Maybe they could look elsewhere for their stress relief. Oh dear. It makes me laugh, Josie, that you seriously think that, uh, that being a radio presenter is not a profession. You, of course, are probably, you know, on, on benefits or something like that, so you've probably got no idea at all of what it is. It's, it's, it's a career. It's a career. Be- being a teacher, of course, you know, isn't-, isn't necessarily a career. It's supposed to be a vacation. Why well, you'd want to work for that pittance, I've got no idea. But unfortunately, people-, people actually do fall in love with their teachers. They do have flings. We read about it. I could probably go through the papers. I would think in the course of the year, I could probably find at least one a month. Uh, just so you know, Tiny Temper has 10 GCSEs and 3A levels. So, what does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything at all having a GCSE. What does that mean? I don't have any qualifications. Celia Rimery's got no qualifications either. So a qualification doesn't mean anything at all to me. That means nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all, I'm afraid. Nothing more. It's just, uh, it just means that they've got ten GCSEs. So he's got ten GCSEs and he's in the music business, of which you don't need any GCSEs for, so it was a waste of time, wasn't it, really? Uh, watched a programme last night, said Christine, about Glasgow bus lost property and the amount of things handed in. There's a shop! down here there's a shop in uh off the euston road uh marylebone where it's it's the lost property office you'd be surprised what people leave do you know what the most common thing is limbs people's artificial limbs they leave on the train seriously there's just about everything in their window i've never seen you know i can understand somebody losing a wallet i can understand somebody you know leaving a suit on the train in a bag because you walk off the train and the train and you think oh i've left my umbrella do you remember i found an umbrella once and so, that, uh, so, so that's something I can understand. But limbs, people have limbs handed in. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all, does it? But money in wallet, says Christine as well. Jess says, I'm having toast and marmalade for breakfast. He is in Milton Key. See, I've, I have got some marmalade in the boot of my car at the moment. In the boot of the car at the moment, I do have marmalade. But my favourite marmalade is the lime marmalade. I absolutely love lime marmalades. I haven't had it for ages and ages, but it was something that we had as... And when I say ages, I mean ages. Sort of like, you know, like, like children. <laughs> like children. And uh, Rob says, I still DJ. Big nightclub rooms so the customers tend not to buy us drinks or even say hello. Thanks to all the offending culprits in the news. We're lucky if they even say please, they want their tune played. Oh, I used to fob them off with that. Okay. They say, can you play it? Yeah, later. Oh, I'm not going to change my... Uh... I'm not going to change my format for somebody like that. Ten past five. There's a business card etiquette in Japan. When you present yourself, hold the card with both hands, present it, announcing your name, company and job title with a bow. To receive one, collect it with both hands, uh, read it and bow. Never put it in your pocket. It's considered highly disrespectful. Either place it neatly on your desk or put it into your business card holder or wallet. I mean, you can come back with so many business cards, can't you, Richard? You go abroad nowadays and people have business cards for everything. I don't have a business card. I thought about getting one made, just sort of saying, radio presenter. That's my profession. That's what I do for a living. Uh, Is it true that elephants are afraid of mice because the mouse may run up their trunk, says Malcolm? I don't know. Was that, a, was that an urban myth, the elephants and the, and the mice? I know a funny joke about an elephant and a mouse, but it's unrepeatable, I'm afraid. Even at this time of the... Actually, not just at this time of the morning. At any time of the morning, it's totally unrepeatable. Front page of the Mail today is the end of the line for the cold callers. I'll come around to this story a little bit later on, because it's quite interesting. In so much as there are still people who want who want to be cold called, pensioners, mainly pensioners, they want to be cold called because they want that contact with somebody. They don't want to have to not bump into anybody for days on end. So for them, if you actually take away the cold caller, they might not see anybody for weeks. I find that difficult to believe in this day and age that that sort of pensioners don't see anybody. I mean, what sort of pensioner does not have contact with their neighbours? Answer, millions of you millions of you because the neighbours don't bother they might have just moved into the area they don't want to come round and introduce themselves it's terrible really isn't it that, that people don't talk to each other in this stern age and you should do I've often said especially at Christmas you know, it's no good just at Christmas time but get to know your neighbour find out who they are if you're living next door to somebody it's just a courtesy it's like you know if, if we were you know, if there was another radio station right next to us and I could see them through through the window I'd want to go and say hello to them in the morning, I'm, I'm dead nosy. I just want to do things like that. I don't go up to anybody and just go, hello, I'm Steve Allen, because that would, that would be silly. Peter says, uh, bad news, it's raining in Twickenham. I see that as fi- quite good news, actually, Peter. I don't, I don't see that as bad news at all. I see it as, I see it as good news, because it keeps people off the street, and also it makes the car look a little bit better. Uh, Scally, up there in Manchesterford, always part of my 4am spike, which I like. And, uh, and, um, and Rich as well. I like it when Rich... Uh, somebody said to me the other day, Steve Allen, he's very bitchy. So I tweeted back, since when has telling the truth been called bitchy? I am not be bit bitchy about anybody. I always tell the truth. I've never lied in my life. Always tell the truth. If Gemma Collins is fat, I say she's fat. That's not bitchy. That's, that's a fact. If I say she's talentless, that's not bitchy. That's truth. She's talentless. You know, if I say... Th- well, anyway, you know, you can say all sorts of things. It's never never bitchy. I'm always I'm always telling the truth about somebody. And then I got one from um oh, oh uh, Mike has bought both the books. I think he's bought uh James O'Brien's book and he's bought my book as well, which is lovely. I moved mine up in uh, in foils the other day. It was hidden behind Duncan Barks so I moved it to the front. It's a bit naughty, isn't it? But I don't care. At least I'm being honest and telling people. And um, <laughs> and uh, Dale says, I missed the Hampton Court Palace part of the ghost conversation. Well, surprising. I'm going to come back to that in a moment because it's appeared in the Daily Mail. They obviously didn't have anything to put in the paper, so they decided to resurrect it. And there was somebody else as well. Who did I? Oh, there was somebody. He seems to have changed it. Oh, my friend Simon. Who's a DJ as well? Uh, Scally sent me a picture of Anne Widdecombe. How apropos that she's appearing with Nick Ferrari this morning. But there was another one that somebody sent me, and it was it was it's one of my regulars. He's um he's a police officer, but he seems to have changed his uh, his moniker as they say now. His sort of uh, his sort of net, which I'm I'm always interesting, interesting that Shirley says always listened to you on the radio, always made me laugh, always agreed with your comments. You see, uh, and um, and the black cab poet. Michael used to deliver parcels to Celia Imry. Steve, a lovely lady with a wickedly mischievous glint in her eye. I absolutely agree.
0: On LBC.
1: Look at the team with you at seven this morning. 75 British troops are heading out to train Ukrainian soldiers. But is that enough? Will Putin care? And the three East London schoolgirls who flew to Turkey are thought to have crossed the border into Syria. But the police are still out there looking for them. Isn't it time we brought them home? Isn't it a waste of scant resources? Anne Whittakam joins Nick to discuss Malcolm Rifkin to his recent actions overshadow his long political career. And David Wooding, political editor of The Sun on Sunday, does the paper review. And that's all after the morning news with Lisa Raziz, Nick Ferrari and the team at seven. Uh, From Mark, he's, he's written a poem... Oh dear, we've got rivalry now. Rivalry on the poem front. He's on in the morning, or is it the night? Whatever the time, he's usually right. see, this word comes up again. Bitching, gossiping and rantings his game. He calls it the truth, the truth about fame. Listeners galore all over the earth. Text, tweet and email to try to converse. For 30 long years, he's plied his trade of chatter and banter and the occasional tirade. He's got humorous anecdotes, opinions and more. Steve Allen's the name, A Legend Is Born. Doesn't quite tie in with the last word, actually. Kind of falls flat on its feet at the end. Whereas it was it was doing so well before that bit. <laughs> uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Regarding the person, says James, who said you're bitchy, says, uh, I think a lot of the time people don't like the truth. I know, you see, it's always the truth. It's never, it's it is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I don't know why that could be called bitchy. You know, if it, if it was something that wasn't true, that it could be called bitchy, which makes it sound as if it's sort of a jealousy. But I'm jealous of nobody. I've explained that a million times. And as we, we've said before, and Celia Imri will agree, and in fact all the, other, all the other people that we ever interview, that people who don't like you, who write things about you, are generally the ones who hang on every word because they've got no other friends. They've got nobody else to write to. <laughs> We love it. it, Put it this way, it just boosts the figures up, so it's fantastic. Uh, Elephants are indeed afraid of mice, says Mary. Not the animal itself. If you show them one, clearly they're not that bothered. It's the rushing movement that startles them. The eyesight isn't that good. My aunt Enid was like that, Mary. Her eyesight wasn't very good. I just just don't like... I don't ever... I I don't like... I do like elephants. I like them when they're sort of little baby elephants and they're so sweet. And there's this programme, which I think Paul did... Uh, on the television a short while ago. And he went out to see this elephant place where they've been orphaned. Their mothers have been killed for their tusks and it just seems an awful waste. And uh, the keepers look after these elephants and they sleep with them and everything. And I thought that was really touching. Really, really touching. Uh, One of the all-time classic comedy sketches, Celia Imrie, Julie Walters in Two Soups. Watch Celia biting her cheek, trying not to laugh. Is that... it's? Oh, that's right. Yes, (laughs) the Two Soups thing. What is the soup? I'll just go check. And <laughs> off she goes to the kitchen again. <laughs> it, well, actually, the funny thing is, it still makes me laugh now. Anything like that. <laughs> uh, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. More of your texts and uh, emails. We'll try and get around to as many as possible. But coming back to the, the spooky apparition, the Grey Lady of Hampton Court. It's a load of old rubbish. This is There is no Grey Lady of Hampton Court. I mean, there might be in the annals of history, but she certainly doesn't appear to. Schoolchildren and uh, apparently Hampton Court servant Dame Sybil nursed Elizabeth I through smallpox before succumbing to itself in 1562 um, apparently Miss McGee of Hornchurch Havering says people say the room goes cold when ghosts appear but we had no idea we haven't slept properly since the girls insist nobody else was in the room no of course there wasn't honestly nothing worse than school children who tell lies Really is outrageous. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Somebody said a few weeks ago there was so much publicity about supermarket petrol wars. They put petrol down by a penny a litre. Have you noticed? Quietly, it's gone back. Yes, yes. I noticed it the other day. I'm now paying one. I'm paying one eleven. Or so. It has. It's crept back up. They were saying, oh, it's going lower and lower and lower. Then obviously somebody went put it back up again. Put it back up again. And so that's what happened. That's what happened. No, it's not so good, is it? Uh, Paula says if Eddie Redmayne loses 2 stone he'll disappear. No, the thing is he will fall down the gratings, won't he? Storm drains will, will claim Eddie Redmayne. He's going to lose 2 stone because he's going to be um he's going to be a transgender person in his next film. I hope he picks them well. Because people seem to like it. The Americans love him. I said to Celia, I said, I bet he's got 20 movie scripts on his desk. She said, oh, I should think so. They, they will be wanting to book him from just about everything. Uh, eight for eight, five, oh, Steve at LBC. Poor old Josie is an ex-teacher. Oh, God, so she's ancient as well. This is the one who doesn't realise that being a presenter is a career. She thinks a teacher is a career. But, uh, but being, being a radio presenter isn't a career. Perhaps, you're right, it, it's an age thing. It's obviously something of your age, Josie, that, you know, you can't quite get your head around. I bet you had a cane, didn't you, hanging on the back of the door. You're, uh, you're like that, I should imagine. Uh, Teresa says, is your book available anywhere other than Foils and Amazon? I think you can order it from anywhere. I think you can order it from anywhere. I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain. It's, uh, it's a good read, actually. I didn't give one to Celia Rimery. <laughs> I didn't give one to Celia Imry. Uh Another one here. Uh, this is um, yes. Can you run people to walk on the left? I tell you what I notice. I, I, it seems a pitiful thing to talk about at this time of the morning. But when you go to the, any of the big stations now, when you're going down the escalator, you stand on the left, going down. So people pass. Is it you stand on? No, you stand on the right, and they pass you on the left. And at Waterloo station, you hear no end of people getting into arguments. Can you move? Excuse me. Can you move? Because you know, some people just like the the movement of the escalator. When, when they first put them in, in a railway station, they had to have a man going up and down all day to show you that it was quite safe and that you weren't actually going to die and be dragged into the mechanism. <laughs> Which, of course, people did worry about in those days. <laughs> they really did. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. So then there was the Tory MP. This is David uh, Trudinick, who said, looking at the stars, this is astrology, he says it could have a role to play in healthcare. He says, "Look at the stars could highlight patient susceptibility to certain conditions. And he branded critics of astrology as racially prejudiced. Oh, he's an idiot, isn't he? Racially prejudiced because you think that astrology is a load of old bunkum. Oh, come on, for God's sake, God's sake. David, you've made yourself out to be a buffoon. A buffoon. He He obviously likes this kind of thing. And he told the Astrological Journal that scientists who opposed the idea that the movement of celestial bodies can affect people's lives on Earth were being superstitious and ignorant. Oh, thank God, he's an MP for Bosworth in Leicestershire, also a supporter of homeopathy. He told the Daily Mail he believed opposition to astrology can be deeply offensive to people in Asian communities who believed in the practice. Oh, go away, you silly little man. God, And he also said that other politicians, from Ronald Reagan to Winston Churchill, had made use of the stars. Mr Tredinnick suggested that people could visit astrologers as well as their GP to check up on their health. The MP said he didn't believe astrology should be provided free on the NHS, adding, I've not said it's a solution. In some circumstances it could help some individuals. God, honestly... There'll be people who'll be going. I don't think we're going to be voting for him this time round.
0: <laughs>
1: oh dear! Christine says on Saturday night the television needs a bit of a shake-up. Anton Deck and the Voice. I know the trouble is Anton Decker are always going to work, aren't they? Anton Decker are always going to work, always, always going to work. It's you know, it just—it's one of those things. They're never going to age at all. Never going to age. Um, and the simple reason is they always look young. So, however old they are, because they're what coming up forty now, I think. So when when they get to six, they're going to look exactly the same. They're still going to have to be uh, a little bit like Keith Chegwin, only Keith Chegwin's uh, got a bit old. But Ant and Deck will always be the same. They'll always work, I think. Christine says we always knew our neighbours. Now, if you even say hello, they look at you very strangely. Sad change of lifestyles. Oh God, when I uh, I had a fantastic set of neighbours about um, it'll be about eighteen years ago, eighteen to twenty years ago. And we'd all moved into the same place, and we all got on. I mean, there was about 12 of us, and they went away for weekends. I couldn't go away for weekends because I was working. But people were in and out of each other's places, went out for meals. Everybody was... It was really, really sociable, which, of course, is very rare nowadays. You don't, you don't find that. As Christine says, you know, you start wanting to be friends with people, and they go, Uh what do you want to know? Why do you want to be my friend? <laughs> Uh, 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk Phil says If you had a pound every time you mentioned uh, Celia Imry Have I mentioned Celia Imry this morning? Oh right He says you'd be even richer than you are now Oh I don't think that's possible I don't think that's possible to be that rich Phil Not possible But she is my special guest this weekend on In Conversation Celia Imry opens her heart And uh, she does open her heart And her book as well Which is out because she lives in Nice So much nicer in Nice. She lives over there, so that's why her book is set in Nice. She's got a place there and she's been going there for for a long time. And Stephen Tomkinson as well. We haven't actually recorded Stephen Tomkinson yet. We don't record him until tomorrow. Uh, I was going to use the escalator at my local shopping mall until I saw a sign saying, dogs must be carried. I thought to myself, where the heck do you find a dog? I know, I think they should have one. Wait, I know, I know. What can I do? What can I do? (laughs) When they put the uh, escalators... In uh, in uh, Harrodsburg, they had a man giving the customers a glass of brandy to calm their nerves. What a brilliant idea. I like the idea of a glass of brandy just to go up on the on the escalator. Imagine, you'd be constantly going up and down, wouldn't you? Ah, uh, constantly going up and down. Why were the jihadi brides allowed to reach Syria? I don't know. Incompetent. Turkey's accused Scotland Yard of a three-day delay in raising the alarm. I couldn't go less if they wanted to stay there. What makes me laugh is that they've taken huge suitcases full of what? Probably nothing. Rolled-up newspapers. Rolled up newspapers. I mean, they're quite clearly simpletons. You know, they were caught on CCTV going through Gatwick Airport. That's where they want to go. They want to go. They don't want to stay with their parents. They obviously don't like their parents. They obviously despise them. And that's why they've, uh, they've totally ignored them. You know, the parents can't do any more. But, as I say, bring the uh, the police officers back. And uh, and if the families want to go out there and try and find them, let the families go out there and try and find them. Uh, Neil says, I felt embarrassed for the leader of the Green Party uh when she was being interviewed by Nick Ferrari it's got a bit viral that one gone a bit viral she really didn't have any answers and sounded very nervous poor lady it's all over the place isn't it it's all over the news it's all over the uh the internet she had a cold didn't she i think nick played it the other way unlike the uh the man from Aslef or whatever who they who he shouted at this one he just let her because she she quite clearly didn't have the answers yeah, she she did flounder a little bit because she didn't have the answers. So luckily, because they were all armed here with their calculators, they were able to work things out a little bit quicker than she was. And so when they came back with, you know, so you're going to build 500,000 new houses, how much is that going to cost? Well, she didn't have the facts and figures. To be honest with you, she was very ill-prepared for the interview. Very ill-prepared. Uh, and, of course, every single newspaper today has picked up on it. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. A little bit late. It's news time, 5.30.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's the 25th of February. It's Wednesday. Yes. I don't know why we get excited about Wednesday. It's not Friday, is it? It's not Friday. Do you remember the, um, the man who assaulted the disabled pensioner, Alan Barnes? Do you remember Alan Barnes? And then Katie Cutler decided to start this fundraising and she raised over £330,000. People just felt that they wanted to give money. And she only wanted to raise, I think, £500. But um, eventually it went to £330,000 for this little man who was knocked down by this thug, Richard Gattis. Uh, yesterday he pleaded guilty to the attack that shocked the country and then prompted all this money to come in. I mean, it's. it's. I think it's, I think we do that fantastically. Seriously, I think, you know, if there's a disaster or something like that, there'll be something that touches your heart and there'll be something that says to you, we've got to give some money to this little man he doesn't have many friends he doesn't deserve to go out and put his rubbish out and be knocked to the ground by this thug richard gattis who is now being held inside because people have made threats against him he's uh, he should seriously live in fear at the moment uh he had behavioral difficulties i couldn't care less i'm i'm sick to death of excuses for people nowadays oh they had a tragic upbringing oh it was this oh it was that um Apparently, Gattis told officers he would have targeted anyone to scrape together enough money to buy drugs. And apparently, he uh, descended into a life of crime in his teenage years, a stable home life with his father, a roofer, and his mother, both of whom stood as Conservative councillors, even though they failed to win seats. He's going to be sentenced in April. Mr Barnes is still recovering from his injuries. Uh, this Mr Gattis was found after DNA was found. you know what a marvellous thing DNA is? They found DNA and that convicted him. He's a nasty piece of work. He had eight previous arrests for drugs, theft and drunkenness. Last convicted in 2009 for possession of cannabis. But uh, I don't think uh, even he realised that the whole country was going to round on him. And seriously, you know, they've had to keep him practically under lock and key for his own safety. Because I think we've had enough of people like this. I think people have really had enough. A middle-class mugger who shocked Britain, he wanted cash for drugs. You know, and then they go, you see, I'm never bothered about people with drugs. I couldn't care less. Take as much drugs as you want. I'm really not interested. It's the people who supply it we should be looking for. So when you see models and people like that with um, with sort of little traces of white powder around their nose, it's and I, I couldn't if that's what they want to shove into their system, that's their business, nothing to do with me. I couldn't care less. But I, I want to know where they got it from. You know, when we had Daniela Westbrook droning on in a boring voice about you know her sort of drugs and where did she buy it from? That's what we want to know. Where are you buying it from? Have you been to the police? Have you told them? Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. The Catholic Church has uh waded in to the uh, to the row over who people should vote for in an election or they say vote for the party that backs marriage well i 'm assuming they all back marriage i 'm assuming so don 't they I mean are any parties not going well apart from the greens who might not be too sure what the uh, what the actual question is but I thought everybody backed marriage that was it you know when, when they say marriage are they <laughs> the catholic Church are they are they sort of looking for the sanctity of uh, of marriage marriage uh, are they looking for the sanctity of you know men and women or is it men or is it uh, two women two men What I mean who knows I shouldn't imagine anybody's particularly bothered about it so that's what they say they say they say back the um, the party that backs marriage that's a big one isn't it My I tried to find that earlier on you know there's a, there's a few of these mugs in the building and these are the best mugs ever they're my favourite because it's almost like two cups of coffee isn't it at least in a mug Fa- Do you get them free? Because a load were delivered. These are huge coffee mugs, ladies and gentlemen. These they're they're advertising something, so I can't say what they are, but it's a well known shop, and uh, well, sort of place where you go for sporting sort of gear. And it's a real, it's a real blokes. Do you go there directly by the sporting gear? I would, I would think that would be the best way. Don't want to detour anywhere. Just just go direct to that sports shop. And they've got these these mugs, and they're brilliant because I can make one of these mugs last a whole program just just. And it's lovely. I I think you need a cup of tea or a cup of coffee in the morning, don't you? Because you just it's the kind of thing, you know, the the producer gets halfway through the week and of course he's overstretched himself as usual. You know, he's been out jogging and decorating and trying to sort out a wedding coming up and all that kind of stuff. So eventually you get to that point where your little body goes, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. And I think his little body wants to go to sleep this morning. Uh, Has Jamie's wife told him you're not doing another Fifty Shades? This is Uh, Jamie Dornan I haven't seen the film I'm not remotely interested Um, I just just couldn't care less I always think it's just something that's a bit overhyped if you get a film like Fifty Shades of Grey I always think it's a little bit overhyped and that's the thing that sort of worries me I don't like to fall into the category of somebody who has been led down a path and you go, oh Fifty Shades You know, unlike anything that Eddie Redmayne appears to be doing at the moment uh, Kath Green. Oh, really? Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was good. I thought it was good, really. Cannabis is now legal in Jamaica, says Les. Really? God. Actually, in some places it is, isn't it? Well, in in, uh, in America, certain parts of America can buy it in a machine. They have a vending machine that dispenses cannabis and different different strengths. Uh, I was getting between 10 and 15 cold calls every day, Steve, says Kevin, the milkman. Annoying to have to get up each and every time. Either nobody's there or I'm being told that I can claim for an injury I've not had uh, or PPI on loans I never took out. Even worse, when I'm trying to catch up on sleep for a couple of hours in the afternoon, as I have been working all night, I've now disconnected the landline and if anybody wants me, they have to call my mobile phone instead. Sorry, state of affairs. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's, but I, I never answered it. I never answered the, the phone. I just let them leave a message, which, of course, they don't. They don't leave a message. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. Uh The A2 Westbound, one lane is closed at the Kidbrook Elbow. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, another one here. Keep going on about tiny temper involved in five business. What's that got to do with that? Did you listen to the comments? I mean, I can't. I can't deal with really dumb people at this time of the morning. See, obviously, the family brain cells being used elsewhere. I was talking about an interview a friend of mine did with him. Uh, that's. I can't explain it to you because it's really. It's, it's a bit. Bit. Bit boring, actually. I'm afraid. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, a lot of people saying Saturday night television really needs a good shake up. I don't know. I think Anton Decker more than adequate. More than adequate. Uh, Ed's going to Blackpool this be- weekend. Have you been there? No, never. <laughs> never been there. Never been. Blackpool. Why on earth would I want to go to Blackpool? God's own borough. God's own borough. Blackpool. If you imagine, what would be the reason for going to Blackpool? Absolutely nothing. Somebody else enjoying the mugs that we have. I think they're great. Of course, if you do a speech programme, you don't really get a chance to actually have a, have a quick slurp. Do you know that love keeps you sober? Do you know that? Apparently, if you're in love, you don't drink as much alcohol And you don't get drunk. According to a new study, the hormone uh, oxycin, known as the love hormone, as it promotes bonding. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It's so powerful, it prevents alcohol affecting the brain. I hate the love process. Don't you hate it? Oh, people go on about, you know, falling in love. I think it's for the young people. I'm with Celia Imry. I I did ask her at the end of the interview. I said, "Uh, uh, any chance of you getting married? And she said, oh, no. She said, "No, no, no." She's, she's quite quite emphatic about it. She just doesn't do things like that. She's quite happy the way she is. Her life is, you know, I suppose the nearest thing to perfection. She loves working with people. She has lots of famous people in her book. And I said, um, "I said, um, have you got some really big names in there?" So she, oh god. So she said, "Yes." So she said, "But they're all they're coded." So in other words, if you've got Dame Maggie Smith, I mean, what would it say? DMS, I suppose. I don't know. It could be anything. Perhaps she's turned them around the other way. So she's got private numbers for all. What would you phone if you if you could phone up all these people? What would you say to them? Hello. (laughs) I don't know what I'd say. Actually, I really don't know what I'd say. Uh, America's top chocolate bar has banned GM ingredients. This is the Hershey bar. It's very famous. The Hershey bar. I've never eaten one. I don't think. My favourite bar was a Fries chocolate cream. Years ago, I used to like that. And then they did a fries chocolate cream bar, but with about five different flavours in it. You know, the strawberry and lime and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, 84850, oh, Steve at LBC. Somebody says, So you like to tell the truth, Tiny Temper's got five businesses. I never said he didn't have five businesses. Oh, God, the Dimbos are out this morning. Good Lord, the family brain cell's been loaned out to somebody. Probably the milkman, I shouldn't wonder. We didn't talk about Tiny Temper's business, we weren't interested in Tiny Temper weren't interested in it at all. It's terribly tedious to talk about things like that. Not remotely interested. On the subject of escalators, Malcolm says the people who annoy me are the ones who step off at the top and just stand there looking around. Oh, I push them. I push them. You get off the escalator. Move! Move! Idiot. They stand there looking around. You What are you waiting for? Oh, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. We have to educate people, don't we? Everything you do nowadays, you have to educate people. Incidentally, if you've got a dishwasher... Some advice for you coming up in a moment, because it's quarter to six. Steve Allen
0: on LBC.
1: For weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months, we bombarded on the television with juices. Everywhere you go now, people are doing juicing. Have you got one of these things? Have you got this thing? They sell them everywhere. The sales have gone through the roof. You have gone mad for juice. Because you see people on the television... And it'll be a chef or somebody like that saying this is what you're probably That'll be a nutrition expert. I'm a nutrition lifestyle coach. OK. And then you've got, you know, somebody known as the juice meister and all this. They always give themselves these absolute chronically awful titles, which makes me suspect immediately and uh, they you see them putting everything on there put this one on here and we're going to show you it it mashes everything up all the all the roots and all the this and the bark and uh, so you don't need to do anything else I'm so, oh god it's so boring and now people you know going into the greengrocers, they now go in there and they go um I'll have some spinach and some ginger please and you think you've got a juicer haven't you well anyway the jute the the, the jute the juice diet myth the watchdogs say these fat busting claims don't stand up to scrutiny. It's just a load of old pie in the sky. It's a load of old rubbish. And uh, they've said here uh, that ads featuring a nutrition guru, Madeleine Shaw, I've never heard of her. I've seen various other people on the television, but I don't remember this one. She says that juices containing watermelon, beetroot, pineapple, and other fruit and vegetables could reduce fat and tone the stomach. It's a load of rubbish. It cannot tone the stomach. Of course, the only thing that's going to tone your stomach is by you doing exercises. Just drinking beetroot juice with this and that. I mean, we do smoothies here. I just think people have them because they taste nice. You're not going to sort of change your stomach at all. But anyway, uh, the watchdogs have bad... They're full of sugar. Absolutely chock-a-block with it. You know, any of them, they go, oh, this one's got apple and pineapple and and then they chuck in beetroot to make you feel a bit better about life and a little bit of ginger. But it's all full of fructose. It's fruit sugar. But anyway, the watchdogs have said that these commercials, they've, they've banned them because they're not backed up by any scientific evidence at all. Just made up. Just made up. The three ads were commissioned by Philips for their juicing machine. Sales of juices, as I pointed out, have just gone mad. They've gone quite through the roof because of, you know, famous people who drink juice smoothies. And yet smoothies have been around for ages, Go into any supermarket. And there they are, the Innocent Smoothies, all the other smoothies. You know, basically, a smoothie is just something with a base of orange or apple juice. And then they add a few other exotic little bits to make you think as though it's really, really healthy. This particular ad starred Miss Shaw, whose clients include Made in Chelsea star Millie McIntosh. Oh, God. That's all we need. In the first commercial, she explained how to make a watermelon cooler juice, which sounds delicious, doesn't it? It would sound better with a large vodka in it, but that doesn't matter. She described it as an amazing fat buster, which, of course, is a lie. It's a lie. Then she made a classic cleanse juice, which she said could reboot the body. One of the key ingredients was beetroot, which she claimed acts as a great cleanser for the liver. A third commercial, which appeared on the Philips YouTube channel, featuring Miss Shaw making her beat the bloat juice, which contained mint leaves and pineapple and is great for toning your tum. Philips said the flesh of a watermelon contained something called citrulline, which is an amino acid that it's converted into the body into, I think it's arginine, which is said to improve blood flow and cardiovascular health, provided you eat a ton of it. It is said there was preliminary evidence from animal studies that demonstrated a greater conversion of cidrulline to adenine, which could help prevent accumulation of fat. This is on animals, ladies and gentlemen. This is about as far as they've gone. They've tested it on animals. Apparently, it also said fresh mint was a diuretic that helped bowel movements and added a weight loss. However, the Advertising Standards Authority investigated and found None of this stood up to scrutiny at all. A load of old hogwash, I'm afraid. Scientifically, the evidence from a study on mice and an article on a website was not good enough to demonstrate that watermelon and mint could contribute to fat loss. The ASA said the claims about the benefits of the beetroot stemmed from research on liver injury in rats. It said there was no robust clinical evidence that could cleanse a human's liver. Oh, absolutely. But they try and make it. Unfortunately, not everybody will hear this programme. Not everybody will read the papers with that article in today. So you'll carry on believing that, you know, you do all these things and immediately you're going to be cleansed and you're going to be... I think people think, seriously, that if you drink juices and stuff like that, the weight's going to fall off you. It's not. Phillips have argued that the use of mint leaves and pineapple in its beat-the-bloat juice helped to eliminate excess gas around the stomach, so making the muscle tone appear more visible. The ASA said the company could only provide articles from the internet rather than robust clinical trials to back up the claims. Given the lack of evidence, the watchdog found the commercials were misleading. Miss Shaw, back she comes insisted the juices she created would deliver health benefits. She said, I firmly believe there are no quick fixes or shortcuts in food and that juicing should be part of a well-balanced and uh, nutritious diet. Philip said in future it would ensure that any nutritional claims on behalf of the company would be backed by robust evidence. So at the moment, it's a load of old rubbish. It's a load of rubbish. And suppose if you can say that uh, her ones don't work, all the other ones don't work either. They're all doing the same things. I mean, a friend of mine, um, he went to a farm recently and they pressed their own juices. And uh, they sell them, pound fifty a bottle, and I think it's apple and beetroot. Apple and beetroot together, which sounds delicious. I don't think there's any health benefits, but if you have it with a very large vodka, it tastes absolutely delicious. It really is. It's one of those drinks you can get a bit squiffy with on a Friday night. Mind you, and of course, as the beetroot is good for you for cleansing the palate and the stomach, I always think the more beetroot and apple you drink, the better I'm going to be. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. It's a myth. There is no juice diet. I love it when they they, they have put these diets on the television. And what do fat people want to hear? If you start losing too much weight on these tablets, then stop taking the tablets. Where do people think the weight goes? It just doesn't evaporate. If I all of a sudden start losing weight, I'm going to need to go to a, <laughs> I know. I know. But if I start losing weight, I'm going to have to go to a gym to tone myself up. I don't want to walk into this building and people point at me because I'm under 12 stone. You know, I'm going, you've got a 32-inch waist, Steve, you look great. I don't want that kind of of sexist behaviour. I want people to accept me for the cuddly teddy bear that I undoubtedly am. You know, and if I do decide to lose weight then I will need to go to the gym to firm it up. But no tablet, no juice, no juicer or anything like that is going to help you lose weight. They just taste nice. That's all it is. It tastes nice. Otherwise, if, if you just drank juices for the rest of your life, do you seriously think you're going to be as thin as a rake? Think you're going to look like Eddie Redmayne? The answer is no, you're not. Because if you want to look like him... Some people are naturally thin. Some people are naturally bigger than him. And uh, this morning... We have the uh, three people who are bigger than Eddie Redmayne, You know. I mean no, I'm not saying here, not not in this studio, but outside there are people. Yeah, a bit of a tantrum over that one next door. People throw people yes. Hashtag leaving. <laughs> hashtag drive your own show. Always a good one, I think. Always makes me smile. But it's true, if you know if you drank all these juices, it's you're not going to lose the weight. It really isn't going to happen. Not your fault. You know, it's just that you're eating the wrong food. I know that a sausage sandwich with ketchup or a bacon sandwich on white with ketchup sounds very, very appealing. But you're not going to lose weight with that, are you? Are you? I shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so. Uh, We have a a collector today. A collector. And also, how much time do you spend a day eating breakfast, lunch and dinner? I've never ever thought about it. Seriously, I I never thought to myself, I wonder how long it takes to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. Because yesterday I had a sausage for breakfast. And why not? It's my body. I shall put into it what I want. And uh, so, well, in fact, I actually bought three sausages, but I gave two away. So I had had one myself and I quite enjoyed it. I quite, I'd have enjoyed eating three, but, you know, I didn't. So I gave two away because I was being a generous person. And uh, if you actually add up and most people don't take lunch now, the reason that they don't take lunch is because they just don't have enough time. So they tend to have lunch at their desk. So they so they sort of sit down at the desk and then they go and grab a sandwich or failing that if you're lucky enough, there's somebody who comes around with a trolley selling sandwiches and cakes. You don't even need to move very far and you have it. You're never going to lose weight, never going to lose weight. But it does. You'd be surprised if you have breakfast, lunch and dinner a day. That takes up just 41 minutes, 41 minutes. I would have thought that was a gross exaggeration. I've often thought that I can eat food, well, in fact, anybody can, a lot quicker than you can actually prepare it. Because it takes ages to prepare food, and then and then you, sort of, you, you seem to manage it in a very quick time, very short time. And that always worries me. My mother say, eat more slowly, eat more slowly. It's better for you, better for you. <laughs> uh, 84850. Oh. Uh, Sue says, easy way to lose weight, go to Egypt and eat out. I could say the same about India. Go 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 to India. Drink drink water or have some ice in your drink, and I guarantee you, you'll lose so much weight when you come back. Apparently, you eat your fruit and juice your vegetables, Steve. You're right about the fruit full of sugar. You have to, you have to eat the fibre to slow down the sugar absorption. Madeline Shaw has an internet qualification in nutrition. I don't think I I, I think adding vodka to any of them would be uh, would be quite good. You see, an internet qualification, an internet. What does that mean? That means nothing to me. It really doesn't. That's like saying, you know, I did it, I did a correspondence course. I'm now a vicar. I think I'm an ordained priest. I think we, we tried it as an experiment. when We were in our last building and you just sent off, I think it was $5 to America and back. Came. I'm now the Reverend Steve Allen and I can now conduct births, marriages and deaths. It is a terrifying thought, isn't it? I'd have them whipped into shape. We plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the land. I like all that kind of stuff. I like, I like singing the hymns, but uh, now that I'm on, an ordained minister, I feel somewhat smug about the whole thing, like I could actually do weddings. I think the, the, uh, the funerals I'd much prefer, much prefer. Still to come, uh, the... Gosh, I've just realised we've only got like 30 minutes of the programme remaining, so we'll take some more of your texts and emails coming up very shortly. But first, it's the news... <laughs> And the Tories have called for Boris to rescue their campaigns. Fears for the health of Leonard Nimoy. He's been backwards and forwards to hospital. He's about 83, I think. Uh, he's got stomach problems at the moment. Uh, the jihadi brides have now reached Syria. This must have been organised over months, ladies and gentlemen. They haven't just turned up in uh, in Turkey, got over the border like that. This has all been organised, you know, over over a long period of time. darks back, so it's sea, sex and smugglers... Uh, Madonna uses a vaporiser ahead of the British gig. Lord, she's not performed for ages, so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, The wedding fizz for 7-Up Katie. And the fury over the flag nuts Nazi gaff. And if you can say that without jumping over your words, you're a better man than I. It's LBC.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850 Steve Allen on LBC
1: Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday, the 25th of February. What a miserable day. A miserable day outside. I've just had a quick look outside the window. It's raining. But there it's certainly rain, isn't it, for goodness sake. The jihadi brides have reached Syria. Somebody's helping them across, aren't they? Uh, Apparently you can buy passports easily over there. Not difficult at all. For eight centuries, we thought the black rat spread the plague. Now they tell us it was giant gerbils. Where they came from, God alone knows. The great lovey-love-in, why the Oscars ignore the films most of us want to watch. Uh, Cliff has been advised, sue the BBC and the police over this gross invasion of privacy. Uh, 20 years for the migrant thug, but he's on the run because they let him out on bail. And the bones under the hammer. All of that and more this morning on uh, on LBC. Uh, plus the wedding fizz for 7 Up Katie. It's it's very funny, actually. I'll come around to that in a in a moment. And Eddie Redmayne, who's got to lose two stone to play a transgender artist. It sounds like a winner, and I'm not being facetious. I I seriously think it's going to be uh it's going to be absolutely a winner for him. I'm totally convinced. I don't think at the moment he seems to have the Midas touch. Everything he, he touches seems to turn to gold. Uh 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. dot UK. Uh one here from um uh this is John breezy, Is that a name, abreezy, or is that the way you feel at the moment? It's a little bit difficult to tell, isn't it? He said the family brain cell. <laughs> Managed to get you, didn't it, really? Which is great. Um, uh, Daniel wanted to know uh, which charity Gemma Collins donated her jungle fee to. Um, we're still waiting to find out on that one, because she is going to be the face of uh, some of Philip Green's uh, fashions. He's going to pay her 50,000 a year. So she's working for peanuts, practically. And, um, and oh, I've lost it again. Sorry. And, uh, and Daniel says, um, <laughs> and I can't I can't mention that person. I can't mention that person, but I also agree with you about the hairline. It seems to be creeping either backwards or forwards, doesn't it? It's a little bit difficult. I uh, had a phone call yesterday, says Ian, saying my computer was infected. Clearly a call to try and hack the computer. Kept them kept them chatting and messed them around for 28 minutes. They're my guilty pleasures. What a brilliant thing to do. Yes, yeah. Sorry, your your computer's infected, so if you'd like to put the following things into your computer, if this this is called cold calling of the worst possible kind. They're trying to gain access, as you know. ...for the computer. My nan, Sib, used to treat me to a bar of fries... ...as a special treat. And I used to go and visit her and Grandad Eric. But uh, you don't you don't see that now, do you? But uh, do people go and visit their grandparents? I don't think they do. I don't think they do unless it's for a television programme. The rest of the time, they don't... ...people just don't seem to visit people anymore... ...which is a shame, really. We used to enjoy going out every weekend... ...to go and see different... ...different relatives, go and inflict ourselves... ...get somebody else cook for uh, for dinner... Uh, 84850 Steve at LBC.co.uk Jason says you don't drive your own desk I'm surprised, really, what you want people put out of work that's not pleasant is it you want to put people out of work Lynn says uh, on alternate days we have either a vegetable or a a fruit smoothie makes the best banana milkshake you see I think all you need to make a banana milkshake is you cut up a banana, you pour in some milk a huge, huge carton of ice cream and you you make an ice cream banana milkshake I mean it's really bad for you they're really bad for you, uh, and I wouldn't, I'm not interested in a vegetable smoothie. Have you noticed all the people that demonstrate them on television, they're all wafer thin. Nobody's got an ounce of fat on them, and, and they, it's obviously like, because if they put a really fat person on, they're doing them, people will be going, well, don't be silly, they don't work, do they? So they give you a thin person, and then we're all meant to feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty. I do not have a juicer, okay? I'm standing here proud to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I do not have a juicer, I have no intention of getting a juicer. I don't care about juicing at all, but I appreciate for some people it's the be-all and end-all and they absolutely love it to pieces. Well, that's great. That's great. Just don't want to go around somebody's house and they go, I've got a juicer. And you go, how lovely. How lovely. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says, my grand says there were no diets in her younger days. No, there weren't. Fresh food, four good meals a day, no snacking. Well, Well, we didn't have snacks. I can remember when crisps came into existence, crisps, ladies and gentlemen. And Golden Wonder brought out a packet, or was it Smith's? Golden Wonder, I think it was, brought out a packet of crisps. They were 3D threepence, old money for elderly people out there. And it came with a little packet of salt, uh, which Smith's did, but then Golden Wonder did threepence, threepence a packet of crisps. That was a snack. There wasn't anything else. If you wanted a snack, you had an apple. That was was considered a, a snack in the early days. They don't do it. So that's why there were no such things as diet. Diet? I mean, what on earth would you want to go on a diet for? Everybody was eating the same food. You did have fish and chips on a Friday, because Friday was fish day. That's how it works. A migrant thug who left an innocent man for dead after stamping on his head has been jailed for 20 years. But Alf's uh, Baronins from Latvia is not behind bars, because he went on the run when he was freed on bail last year. I mean, it's ridiculous. This man that he jumped on the heads of, he um, he can't use his arm and he has to walk with a stick. His mother, Karen, says, how can a man that's so dangerous be allowed to roam the streets? It's a question we all ask. Detective Inspector uh, Inspector Ian Lawrence of Leeds says, uh, Baronins is somebody who is capable of inflicting extreme violence and we urgently need to trace him we are not going to give himself up any time soon, is he? Once you find him, then we can throw him in prison for 20 years. But at the moment, he's wandering around. Could be anywhere, I suppose. At least where you expect to find him. Other stories in the papers. Uh, somebody everybody complaining about the MPs and their prime focus should not be on making money. Why? That's what MPs do. and you've got to look at Tony Blair. I mean, Tony Blair is absolutely minting it at the moment. He can't, he can't make any more money. Mind you, Margaret Thatcher did exactly the same. The moment you come out of... Uh, of being PM, off you go and you embark on uh, on the rounds of of earning huge amounts of money for for making, you know, speeches to universities, to business. It doesn't matter what it is. I think Margaret Thatcher's minimum fee was £50,000. £50,000. Uh, and even when I did not have sexual relations with that woman, he came over, he filled out the Albert Hall. People paid thousands to see him. Thousands to see Clinton. Uh, ISIS have taken dozens of Christian hostages during dawn raids they've started parading them in cages and you just know that it's just not going to have a happy ending these murdering psychopaths and now they've got three stupid english girls out there as well uh it's not known what they plan to do with the prisoners but we have a rough idea after the uh the militants in libya released a video showing the beheading of 21 egyptian christians these people are sick in the head, aren't they? I mean, I don't, I don't really know how else you can, uh, you can sort of describe them. I can't think, I can't think of any way to describe these people. There's nothing human and decent about them. They're just, uh, they're just dreadful. And Bridget says, I too have played along with the phone scammers, saying my Windows PC has a virus. After playing along for ages, I casually mention I've got an iMac, and the phone is immediately slammed down. Oh, Brilliant. You see, I like things like that. I think that uh, that is good. Eight <laughs> four uh, eight five O. steveatlbc.co.uk. I noticed twenty for the Feb today. Two months since Christmas, and only ten months to go until more turkey and Christmas pudding. That's lovely, isn't it? That is really lovely. I like I like that idea. <laughs> I really like that idea. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. says, if you inform the DVLA about the people you said you know who haven't declared their diabetes, I'll ask the police to contact you. You're as stupid as you sound, aren't you? Really? Perhaps again, the family brain cell out for the day is it? Or well, perhaps for life, I suspect. Uh Marion Woking says, I also. Alter- How many of these are there? The computer scammers. Is this quite a common one now? on the phone, opening all the files, supposedly indicating there was a problem, and eventually said, thank you so much, I'll report that to my IT support team. They are my guilty pleasures too, says Mary. Wow. Geraldine says, Smith's crisps are the first crisp with a little blue bag of salt. That was the fun thing, wasn't it? Can you imagine? Uh, the, the, the complicated way of actually doing the little blue bag of salt. But uh, I remember Golden Wonder crisps, and they all, they only did the one flavour. Crisp. They didn't actually do the cheese and onion roast chicken. Now they did. What have I seen? Hedgehog, hedgehog. I've seen, I've seen things like that. Uh, great reviews for Beautiful, the Carol King musical at the Old Witch. Four stars from John Nathan, writing in the Metro today, and um, he says it's wonderful. The star is Katie Braben, who recreates King's looks. This is Carol King with wholesome charm and vocals with uncanny accuracy. And of course, as you know, Carol King turned up. For the encore, I mean, how exciting! You go to see a musical about Carol King, who wrote some of the some of the best tunes around, and then she turns up on stage. You can imagine, can't you? People went absolutely crazy, and it got good reviews as well. Kanye storms the stage for us too. Kanye stormed the stage. The awards hopes the ho- hosting for Anton Decker not doing the Brits are they tell me that they're not. They they are presenting the bash at London's O2 Arena after a fourteen year absence. I thought it'd be somebody in the music industry. Let's get ready to rumble. How does that Anton Deck hosting the Brits? They've obviously gone down the wrong route, or they couldn't find anybody this year. I thought it's supposed to be people who are sort of in touch with, you know, hip with the kids and down with the crowd and all the rest of it. Apparently not. If they booked Anton Deck, quarter past six to be lit. Oh, pretentious moi, pretentious. How silly. Hit in the charts? Don't think so. I just wonder, really, actually, what's the point of it all? Why do people bow down to people like that? Her area is the biggest. Even her washbasin is draped in velvet. Oh, dear, how embarrassing. How embarrassing. Good Lord. I didn't even know she was still going. Bless her heart. But it's very sweet of her to make a, a contribution. Um, other stories that are in the papers today... Um, this is the winter fixtures could help England we can end 56 years of hurt in the desert fans are sicker than the sickest parrot over the decision to hold the 2022 World Cup in the winter but at least one expert believes it may give Britain a big advantage, too cruel for school the mum who beat the F grade girl and made her wear a humiliating t-shirt has now been arrested Um, um, the, the mum here uh, Melanie Joyce Alexandra is accused of beating her child with a leather belt that left bruising all over her body uh, because she wanted her to do better at school. She wanted her to make sure that she uh, she learnt, but uh, she's now been arrested. And a flag collector has sparked outrage after hoisting a Nazi Waffen-SS banner on a 20-foot pole outside his home. Martin Baker, again the family brain cell elsewhere... Took the swastika down the next day after angry complaints from neighbours and apologised. He said it was down to my ignorance. There you go. What did I tell you? I'm still not sure what the flag means. I'm not part of any right-wing group. I'm not a fascist. There was no motive. Mr Baker comes from Barnby Dunn in South Yorkshire. Added the next flag he flies will say, love, peace and happiness on it. I like a good flag. I watched a programme on uh, on the Queen's house, which is Windsor Castle. And the flag there, they have a man who specifically has to go out there and wait and he gets phone calls saying Her Majesty's on the way in and as she enters the long walk in the car, he puts the flag up to signify that the Queen is back in residence again. And then after she leaves, the flag comes down and so that's how you know whether she's in Buckingham Palace or she's not in Buckingham Palace. TV's Gemma beat Anorexia and found love. They've got to have a story, haven't they? It'll be some minor character... She says, my man chatted me up, boasting he'd acted in three Emmerdale episodes. His face fell when I said I'd been in it for three years. I don't even know who she is. I'm ever so sorry. Her name is uh, Gemma Oton. But apparently she did have uh, anorexia. And that's the whole basis of this story. Because they're doing an eating disorder thing. So they say, well, you know, if you've got an eating disorder, pass it on. I think Eddie Redmayne's not exactly the biggest person. And he's going to lose two stone. Two stone. And that is absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? Eight four eight five oh steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, the front page of the Sun. This is the truth about the girl by the, the uh, accused by the judge of grooming. Sir Rhiannon's pulled out of the Brits. We don't quite know why. We can't quite work out why she's pulled out. But you, you get uh, Kanye West. Lesser of two evils, I think. Really, doesn't interest me in the slightest. Uh, missing British teenagers cross border to Syria. Here's the front page of the Metro. And they've got to have quite a few brain cells messing, haven't they? The Express have got Twiggy. Why I won't rule out having plastic surgery. The Mail are running with the cold calling. And the hard-up Pushy gets a job. This is uh, Princess Pushy. As she was called for years by the media, she's finally got herself a job because they have to make ends meet. Don't forget you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. Download the LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio 2. If you missed any of today's show, there's also our podcast service. I'll have a free podcast up for you in around about 15 minutes.